Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Welcome. Welcome if you're new. Welcome if you've been here loads of times. And welcome to you all. So, today we finish our series on 1 Thessalonians, this letter written to a young church, a church that was going through horrendous times, a church that was in a difficult situation, a church that were being encouraged to say there is hope, and the hope is in Jesus, that he is going to, re- he is going to return. And today we look at verses 12 to 28 from chapter 5, and uh, I've called it Final Thoughts. It reminded me a bit of, I think it was Jerry Springer that used to have a final thought at the end of his programme. Hopefully it won't be quite as violent this morning as a Jerry Springer show got. Uh, But I want to say this, I love the musical Hamilton. I never thought I would necessarily, but I love the musical Hamilton. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it tells the story of Alexander Hamilton, who was Washington's right-hand man. He fought his way up from the most difficult and horrendous circumstances to become a significant person in the history of the United States of America. And one theme of the musical is that he's always trying to cram as much into his writing as possible. One of the songs says, why does it seem like you're running out of time? Why do you write like you're running out of time? And he tried to fit as much in as he possibly could because he didn't want to miss that shot or blow that one opportunity to say everything in that one moment that he wanted to capture it and not let it slip. There you go, I finished with some words from Eminem. There you go, let's just impress Corey. But in these last verses to the church in Thessalonica, there are over 15 instructions from Paul to the church. He crams in as much as he wants. It feels like he's running out of time and he's got to finish this letter and he's got to write as much as he can And there are over 15 instructions in these few verses. And some of them sound very strange to our ears. I'll give you one that we're not going to really talk about because it's it's contextual. The letter finishes with verse 28. But just before that, in verse 26, it says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay? Now, I know Raymond Graham is not even that keen on a hug. Could you imagine everybody going, yes, greet one another with a holy kiss. Come on, welcome to Spring Mount. Now, I actually went to a church and spoke and nobody warned me that there was a guy there who took this literally. And after the service, he came to speak to me and I thought he was just going to shake my hand and say, oh, it was really nice to see you this morning. But he reached in to shake my hand, pulled me nearer and kissed me on the cheek. And I was like, (laughs) someone could have warned me. Apparently it happened every week and uh, it was a little bit strange. But the context of that verse is this. In that culture, it was customary to greet somebody who was superior by kissing them on the hand. It was customary to kneel, to bow, to kiss them on the hand, to say, yes, you are more important than I am. And what Paul is saying here is, I want you all to be treated equally as brothers and sisters. Nobody is bigger than the other person. Nobody is more superior. Jesus is the head of the church. The rest of you, we are equal brothers and sisters. 
And actually, the early church stopped doing it because the practice was being abused. I think people were taking advantage and perhaps kissing, picking and choosing who they greeted with a holy kiss. So we're not going to start that one at Springmount. So I'll get that straight out of the way to begin with. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. Let's say just greet all God's people with a high five, maybe. Okay, but not, not a holy kiss or an elbow bump at the moment. Yeah. Okay, let's read. So we're going to look at the nitty gritty of the verses. But Paul is writing like he's running out of time. He's cramming as much in. So let's stay tuned. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 12 to 15 says this. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. (laughs) Acknowledge those who work hard, care and who tell you off basically. Okay, Admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. That's quite a a broad instruction, isn't it? I'm going to stop there. This first section is about how we treat others. So Paul is writing his last instructions and saying, it's how we treat others, and this is how we do it. So starting with those who are in leadership over us, it says acknowledge those who care for us, who admonish us, and who love us. How do you acknowledge somebody? How do you acknowledge them? The word here literally means to see them, to notice them. On my 40th birthday, obviously not that long ago, we had a family trip to Scotland. I stressed out Roz, my wife, because I organised a barbecue the night before, not knowing necessarily that she'd booked this trip to Scotland. And I'd invited loads of people to our house for a barbecue because I thought it would be really nice. But we went for a few days to Edinburgh, We went on the train and we had a lovely time. I think it was four or five days in Edinburgh from the Saturday to the Wednesday. It was really nice. We went to see a show. We had some great food. We spent some great time as a family. And then on the Wednesday, it came time to go home. And we got to the station. And as we arrived at the station, I'm stood on the platform. Joel and Chloe were giggling away. They were probably about 30. How old were you then? Joel, eight years ago, 15. And Chloe was about 13. Um, giggling away and Ros was smiling and she hands me the tickets and I read the tickets and it didn't say Edinburgh to Barrow in Furness it said Edinburgh to Bolton and I was a bit like what? why are we going to Bolton? now my mum and dad live in Lostock in West Horton in Bolton We weren't going to Barrow, but we were going to Bolton. We were going to see my mum and dad. I thought, that's nice. It's my 40th birthday. We've had a nice family trip away. Ros is taking me to see my mum and dad. That's lovely. But then we get to Bolton, and Ros hands me two more train tickets, which say Bolton to London. And I was like, what? And the kids were going to stay overnight with grandma and granddad, and me and Ros were going down to London to stay in a nice hotel, and to stay in a hotel, but also to go and watch Les Miserables, my favourite West End musical. And it was like, wow, I feel really acknowledged. I feel really noticed. Wow. And then we had this night, overnight stay, 
It was really, really pleasant. We got back to Bolton and then Ross said, oh, we're going out for a meal with your mum and dad. So we go to a restaurant. We arrive at the restaurant and not only is my mum and dad there, but the whole family turned up. The people from Barrow in my family came. The people from Bolton and around came. And it was a whole family meal. And I felt absolutely overwhelmed. I loved it. I felt cherished. I felt acknowledged. The message version there says, overwhelm them with love. I felt overwhelmed with love. I was noticed because I'd turned 40. A similar situation when I uh, left my teaching job a few years ago in assembly. One of the teachers, because I taught music, one of the teachers had written a song and practiced it with all the kids and they stood up and sang this song to me. And I felt overwhelmed with love from the school. The message version says in full, we should overwhelm them with appreciation and love. We should overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Paul is saying we need to overwhelm our leaders with appreciation and love. And you might be saying, Johnny's milking this a little bit because you might be thinking that I'm saying I want you to overwhelm me with, and the, the tech team are all nodding their heads at the moment, you can't see that. You might think I'm trying to put out a plea there to say, come on guys, overwhelm me, notice me. No. But hear what I'm saying. We need to overwhelm our leaders with appreciation and love. That's house group leaders. That's prayer group leaders. That's the people who lead the welcome team. That's the people who lead the tech team. It's the people who lead the worship. Overwhelm them and acknowledge them with appreciation and love. And do you know what? Sometimes that might just be to turn up. You know, the house group leaders... They're preparing stuff, they're opening their houses normally. At the moment, they're just logging on to Zoom. It's a bit easier, maybe. But actually, sometimes overwhelming them with love might just be to turn up and say hi. It might just be to show up and get involved. Worship leaders, you know, they get here early and, and they do it for you. Overwhelm them with love. Notice them, see them, acknowledge them, and appreciate them. That's what Paul is saying. And if we start doing that to our leaders, those who care, love, and admonish us, then actually we're going to start doing it to other people as well. Notice one another. Love one another, but also warn one another. We don't necessarily like that bit, do we? We don't like being told off or warned. If you ever get warned about something, you know, I, I do some uh, meetings with Corey once a week, and I know if I've got to tell him something that's not quite as pleasant, there's a temptation to get defensive there's a temptation to sort of start getting a bit, oh, I don't like this. I much prefer being overwhelmed with love and bought tickets to see Les Mis than being told, actually, you need to do this or not do that. We don't like being warned. We get defensive. It's actually hard sometimes to warn somebody, but it's also hard to take, even when we know that the warning is correct. That warning might be vital to hear because it's vital to hear correction that comes from a place of love. It's vital to hear correction and being put right so that we can be the best version of us. Recognize that when we're corrected by our leaders or those who are in responsible positions, it comes from a place of love. It doesn't come from a place of dominion. It comes from a place of love. As I read this final passage in 1 Thessalonians, it is filled with elements and evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. You know that passage in Galatians? 
We could do a whole study on that. And, and I'm, if the house group leaders have got the notes, they've got to look at that a little bit in their house groups, connect groups this week. You could do a whole study on where love, joy, peace, patience, and all those things fit in to these last verses of Thessalonians. Paul, again, is repeating that message. The message of the Bible is constant and consistent. It's to love. It's to have joy. Always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. There's a challenge this morning. If you hear nothing else, memorize that bit. Always strive to do good for others and everyone else. To do good for each other. That's people within the church and everyone else. There's a challenge. Another challenge. Be patient with everybody. That's really hard sometimes, especially those of you sitting at home with children or sitting at home with parents. Uh, It's hard. Be patient. Be patient with everybody. Don't look for payback. Don't look for revenge. Don't pay evil for evil. Don't think I'm going to get my own back. Don't think that person's done me wrong. I'm going to do them some wrong. Paul says, no, don't look for payback. All these messages are tough stuff. But Paul is cramming it all in as he comes to the end of this letter because he's writing like he's running out of time. He has encouraged them throughout this letter. He's encouraged them that there is a hope and that hope comes from Jesus, that Jesus is coming back again. There is a hope, even though they're going through a dark time, there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel and that Jesus will come in his glory. But while we're here, let's be the best we possibly can. That's what he's saying. While we're in this moment, Whatever moment we're in, let's be the best we possibly can. That means being patient. That means striving to do good whenever we can. Pack as much good in as you can like you're running out of time. Pack in as much good like you're running out of time. Because there's all eternity to look forward to. There is all the time in the world, the universe, to look forward to. And then he finishes with this bit in this section, and forgive one another. God will bring justice. If you trust God this morning, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are called to forgive no matter what, because Jesus has forgiven us first. We are called to forgive. If we are holding on to something, we need to let it go. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you are a person who's been a Christian for a long time or a Christian only a short time. God's word is clear. We need to forgive. Why? Because Jesus did. Jesus forgave us first. At the moment, he was having his beard whipped, ripped out, his body whipped, his body nailed to a cross. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Paul says we need to be forgivers, that God will bring justice. We need to let go. Do you know, we do a book group on a Friday afternoon. And if you ever want to join us, please feel free. I think there's nine of us at the moment. We read one chapter a week and just share the bits that we've enjoyed. And it's always challenging. And it always seems to add to the topic for each Sunday. It always seems to fit in perfectly. We're looking at a book at the moment by Morris Vitti, and it's called Close to the Edge. And it's all about moving out of your comfort zone. Maybe if I say to you this morning, you need to forgive, you feel uncomfortable because you know that you haven't, and maybe you feel like you can't. But this week, this book talked to forgiveness, and it used this quote. This is a quote from our book group this week. The act of forgiveness does not come easily. It is right that it should be this way. It is something 
we need to draw on God's strength to help us do. It's not something we can do by ourselves, but with God's strength we can. And it goes on to say this, yet forgiveness is one of the most powerful forces in the world today. For forgiveness is the gospel in action. Forgiveness is the good news in action. If you're a Christian today, maybe some people are not going to see that because of your lack of forgiveness. Because the gospel is all about forgiveness. The good news is that we can be forgiven. The good news is that maybe some of us, we have been forgiven. So if we've been forgiven, we need to forgive. The forgiveness is the gospel in action. Do you want others to see more of Christ in you, the hope of glory? Do you want others to recognize his kingdom come here on earth? Then be forgiving. Always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. And forgiving is good for you, even if it's you that's hurt. Forgiving is good for others because you stop holding that grudge. Paul doesn't give a list of exceptions. Jesus doesn't say, forgive others apart from this group. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary. We need to be forgivers. So that first passage shares how to respond to each other. There's loads of bits. If you've got time this week, read these verses. Check them out because there are over 15 instructions. That's two weeks and a bit worth of a daily verse to think about. But then it goes on to say this, verses, verses 16 to 18. And again, these are some of the easiest verses to read in the whole Bible. When people say, I struggle to read my Bible, let's remember 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. Here's verse 16. Rejoice always. That's easy to remember, isn't it? That's easy to remember. That's easy to keep in our heads. That's easy to read our Bibles. Rejoice always. Not an easy message, but it's easy to read. Rejoice always. Verse 17. Pray continually. That means it doesn't mean that pray on your knees with your hands and your eyes closed. It just means keep a conversation going with God. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation, keep going. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not give thanks for all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's what God wants. Give thanks. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. These three verses are the essence of how we need to respond to God. It's the essence of what we as Christians need to do. And if you're not a Christian today, we can start by rejoicing and saying thank you for the death of Jesus because he did it so you could be forgiven. He rose again and beat it for you. I could tell you today how bad things are in Barrow. I could tell you how miserable it's been being in isolation. I could tell you how difficult my week has been. I could tell you how hard a, hard a time I'm having at home. I'm not really. I, it, well, it depends who you ask, but I'm having a great time at home. It's great to spend time with my family. But my job here in this service this morning is to encourage us to lift our eyes higher. It's to encourage us to lift our eyes above the waves. It's to encourage us to lift our eyes above the mountains. I look to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Above the mountains. My job this morning on a Sunday is to celebrate what Jesus has done. To challenge us and to say, there is more. 
because God has given us it all. Our job is to lift our eyes higher, not focus on the waves. Yes, there may be many waves. It may be stormy out there. It may be stormy where you are. But you know what? God has overcome that storm. He has the ultimate victory. He is the winner. As we walk into this pavilion, as you come in through the back door, underneath the carpet, there are these verses. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. That is written on the floor as you walk into our building. You can't see it, it's under the carpet. But I've told you now so you know. And we are called to celebrate in this place, to sort of shut off some of those outside things and say, I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. Why has he made me glad? Because he made a way. He's made me glad because he's made a way. Rejoice always. There is one greater than our circumstances. There is one who is above it all. There is one who we need to lift our eyes to and listen to. Paul urges our response to God to rejoice always, to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances. We've mentioned already in this series that the Bible repeats itself to get its message across. This is a repeated message. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice is in Philippians. It's the same. Pray without ceasing. The Psalms, give thanks to the Lord our God. He is good. His love endures forever. These are all things we can do. This is what God wants. That has to be our response. To lift him, to exalt him, and to look to him. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Not I might rejoice because he's made me glad. Not I won't rejoice because I don't feel very glad today. I will rejoice because he's made me glad. He gave his son for me. It also says in the Old Testament, he turns our mourning into dancing. We've sung already or we sing later on. He crowns our brokenness with beauty. He gives us beauty for ashes. The Bible is full of God changing things. How are we responding to others today? Are we forgiving? Are we loving? Are we striving to do good? How are we responding to everyone? And how are we responding to God today? Are we rejoicing? Are we praying? Are we giving thanks? That's what Paul is cramming into the end of this letter. He's doing it. He's running out of time. He's got to get his message across. He's got to repeat these things so that they keep going, so that they know the hope that they depend on. Do you know, even in the gut-wrenching psalms of lament, even in those times where David is crying out, they all reorientate themselves to a but or a yet. And they all say, I will trust in God, or I will praise in my God, or I will praise him for his faithfulness. Even in those darkest times. So memory verses for this week, learn them. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16, rejoice always. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, pray continually. 1 Thessalonians verse 5, verse 18, chapter 5, verse 18, sorry. Give thanks in all circumstances because it's what God wants. Hard to read my Bible, hard to take that message in, but easy to read. Let it sink deep. Let it sink deep. We need to have an attitude of gratitude. You might have heard that before. We need to have that attitude of thanks. We need to show the love and joy that he gives us so that others see that there's something more 
that others see that there is something worth living for. I can face tomorrow because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he died for me and rose again. I can face tomorrow because I have a hope that whatever tomorrow brings, there is better beyond. It finishes with these verses, with a specific instruction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 24 says this, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. In 1 Corinthians, or in Corinthians, the church was going overboard about the gifts of the Spirit, so much so that Paul wrote that whole thing about without love, those gifts are pointless. In Thessalonica, the church are denying those gifts of the Spirit. The church is saying, no, we don't want to go down that route. No, we don't want to have those gifts. And so Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't stay, don't stop those things. Prophecy is vital. It says, desire the greater gifts and that prophecy is important because it builds up, it encourages and it it gives us a sense of that God knows where we are. I could share my personal experiences of when total strangers have spoken God's word over me and they didn't know my circumstances or situation and yet they, they confirmed that God knew me and that God knew what I was going through. But Paul says, don't write that off. Don't say, right, we're not having that but test it against what God has already said. Reject every kind of evil. After the service, the last few Sundays, we've been having a prayer Zoom room, and sometimes we've just listened to God, and, and as, we've, as we've prayed for certain people, the, the, the ones of us on the prayer team that are doing that have, have sort of sensed God sharing something, and we've been able to share what we believe God might be saying, but we've encouraged those people to go away and test it. We're practicing that prophetic word. We're practicing stepping into some of those gifts. So if you want prayer today, I encourage you, come. Obviously not all all of you that are watching because I don't know if we've got time. But finally, in this book, Paul says, know he is faithful. We can respond to others with love. We can respond to God with praise. But we need to finish by knowing that he is faithful. What does that mean? It means that he is faithful. He will not let you down. It means he is changing you. No matter where you've come from and no matter where you've started, he is taking you on a journey and you are being transformed if your eyes are fixed on him. The Bible promises that he will finish what he started and that includes returning to rescue us, whether we've passed from this life or whether we're alive when he comes. He will do it. How encouraging is that? God will do it. The verse that finishes the book says this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God's grace is when we don't get, sorry, is getting what we don't deserve. The riches of God, all the riches of heaven, all the reward and inheritance of sons and daughters is ours to claim. We don't deserve it. But Paul finishes this letter and I finish this morning by saying to you, don't give up because there is hope and we wait for his glory because God's grace has made a way through Jesus. Treat others, overwhelm them with gratefulness and thanks. Respond to God rejoicing, praising 
and recognize his grace in your life. Don't give up. There is hope as we wait for his glory. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this letter to this church that was struggling. Let us remember this church that was struggling in dark times. Father God, today as we come to this place, as we, whether we're watching online or whether there's, there's somebody in this room, Father, I pray that we will know the grace of Jesus, that we will know that that is enough to rejoice in, that today his mercies are new, that we can give thanks for all that you've given and all that you will do. Father God, I pray that you'll help us to acknowledge those who lead us. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to see people and to acknowledge them and to overwhelm them with love. And Father, I pray that in your strength, we will be people of forgiveness, that we'll be people who show that gospel in action. And Father, if people are sat watching this right now, somebody, as I say those words, is stirring in their gut that they don't want to do it. Father God, they need your strength. Father, give, give, you, give them your strength to do it. Father God, help them to let go. Help them to release themselves from this trap of unforgiveness so that they can be the gospel in action. Father God, I pray that you will break that dam, that wall that holds us back from you. And may we want to overwhelm you with love in our response. In Jesus' name, amen.